handle on a title. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, did you have a thought on title? Um, I mean, the Chipman Brothers podcast still works for me. You think that's okay? But uh, we had the what the Chipman Brothers tangent, Super Chipman Brothers. I mean, any of those <laughs> things work. Do you think the tangent thing is funny? For some reason, that sounds like a thing, but I don't know. I mean, that I liked that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, um, it 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 anticipates that we're going to not necessarily stay on topic. And right. that's what okay. I liked about it. All right. So the Chipman Brothers tangent. I like that. Do you want to you go with that? Let's go with that. Let's go with that. The Chipman Brothers tangent. We can always change it. But yeah. let's if, if I'm going to be putting this up on Libsyn, we'll call it the Chipman Brothers tangent. Sounds good to me. Okay, cool. So we all should right. have an intro then. Yeah, all right. Okay, so let's let's try this out here. <clears throat> all right. Hey, everybody! Welcome to uh, the uh, the first named version of uh, what we what we think we're probably going to end up calling the the Chipman Brothers tangent. I concur. Last place. yes, <laughs> yes. We we have uh, the 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 Chipman Brothers tangent. Uh, is uh, is what we're we're basically uh, calling this because we go off on tangents. Indeed. Yes, the, we have tangential conversations, and we we do like to start in uh, in a general place and see where it ends up. This is uh, just uh, two two brothers, two brothers. You you got to watch Rick and Morty so you'll get the two brothers reference, Chris. Uh, indeed. Yeah, I you. I am sorry, internet. I am not well versed <laughs> on Rick and Morty as of yet. I have seen one episode of it and i loved it no wait, which um, one did you see oh jesus i don't remember dude when did how long has that show been on uh it just uh started its third season so it it was probably at a christmas new year's ish type party mm-hmm. three years ago okay all right yeah okay so you got some to catch up yeah one of these days we're, we're gonna sit down and we because it, it's only about like 25 episodes at this should point. we just like on this podcast sometime just record ourselves watching it um I'd reaction be down for that reaction videos are a whole other thing that's a that's a popular thing but i think that that's a different thing that's like a reaction video oh I'll see so okay no you you hey, and i well, we have decided what we're not branding ourselves as ladies and gentlemen we will not be an immediate reaction podcast yeah, well, no, because that's that's done like as a video thing, you know, where you train the camera on yourself, and then people like watch it in sync with you watching it. Like it's a, it's a thing, but it, it's for video. It doesn't it doesn't really work so much for audio. Interesting. Well, um, on my end to start, Bob, we just yeah. missed it by about two minutes, but since we started recording and we can date this video this way, may the fourth be with you, good sir. Ah, uh, yes, yes. May the four may the fourth be with you as well, and also with you. Yeah, you know. I I am someone who who loves Star Wars, and uh, it's terrific. I I kind of feel like this thing where we we want to have like a day where we talk all about Star Wars. Now that we're getting one Star Wars movie a year, do we need a day other than the day that movie comes out for this? No, but uh, you know, it's kind of no, stuck I mean, it's... into the. It's kind of stuck into the culture if you will no i mean it's fun i mean i get it may may the fourth ha 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 like like i i get it it's it's cute it's you know, it's a cute it's a cute amusing like reference thing but it's like it's this this is sort of like the the weird place that like nerd culture stuff that like has found itself in where 
this is now like the dominant culture of stuff. So I I, I feel like it's 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 almost like uh, like didn't uh, didn't didn't the president just declare like the first of May loyalty day or something? Yeah, but you know we don't pay attention to what he does and says other than right, to, okay. other than despite it and hate it and be afraid of it. Well, right, but no, I mean I'm I'm making a reference to the sense I feel like. I'm thinking, really? I'm pretty sure that, like, America has, like, seven other holidays that are, that are all... loyalty? Yeah, th that are... Like, I think if we've already got Flag Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, President's Day, um... Well, dude, we... You know, our the children of July. pledge allegiance to the goddamn flag every day. Do right? they still... Is, is is that still a thing in, in like, oh, public yeah. schools? I, I, I imagine they keep trying to take God out of it, which... Depending on what side of the coin you're on, is a good or a bad thing. But regardless, uh, <laughs> it's we still pledge allegiance, as in I will die for this fucking thing, in school every morning. Okay, yeah, I guess. All right, but you know, it's it's it just it that. But that's kind of my point, though. Is do you need a whole like does does Star Wars need a separate holiday of its own? Beyond when Star Wars is now fucking everywhere. Well, it's kind of like Pi Day, right? I guess it's sort of like okay. Here's the thing: like, what what day Jaws takes place over a specific holiday weekend? Fourth right? of July. Right, the Fourth of July. If Jaws took place on just a random day, you know, could we have a Jaws day? Yeah, well, I think so, and I think the well, reason that that would be more sensible is that we don't live in a culture that is constantly talking about Jaws. Well, I mean, in my house, I constantly talk about <laughs> Jaws. But you know what I mean. It's it's like if I if I turn on TV right now and just watch any random channel that isn't like you know the Christian Broadcasting Network for about an hour, I will probably see either a Star Wars commercial, one of the Star Wars movies, or some kind of reference being made to Star Wars somewhere on any random day. Like it's it's so pervasive. True. You know, so I so I kind of feel like like the the cuteness factor of saying, hey, this is a day where we talk about this one movie we all kind of remember, is, I don't know, it's it's the, the novelty of May the 4th has has sort of worn off on me. Very interesting. Uh, not, I mean, not, couldn't, not, wouldn't it make sense for them to do, like, Star Wars Con on May the 4th? Something like that. Like, wasn't if, that a month yeah. ago? Yeah, right. Like, if, if they tied it into something, like, if this was, oh, okay, on May the 4th is when we have the convention, or on May the 4th it's traditional to release one of the Star Wars movies. You know, that makes sense, but it's, it just feels like this sort of thing of, like, a few, like, like, hey, because what it, what it is, is it's the, the culture reminding itself, like, hey, does everyone get this reference? This crazy, wacky, out there reference? And I'm thinking... Yeah, this reference to this movie that literally everyone has seen and that our entire culture has never stopped talking about since the mid-1980s. Well, yeah, yeah, I have heard of that. Well, to go back to our last podcast, I mean, wouldn't yeah. it's nowhere without the social reach of the internet. Right, right? yeah. May the 4th be with you would have been a far more... Um, geeky thing like right in in the pre youtube facebook world yeah. that would have been a clever like taco bell ad campaign yes right? exactly like oh yeah. we have the tie-in with star wars so may the fourth be with you we'll have like a a cup with like anakin skywalker on it 
you know, right, or something right. like that. Yeah. Right. Or the Taco mm-hmm. Bell dog will have a freaking lightsaber in a commercial. Yes. Yes. We'll have like the that... uh, we'll have the burnt to a crisp Vader gordita or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. That that's what I'm talking about. That's well, what I'm dude. About. I but... had an I had a fight the dark side ice cream sundae from Cherry Farm earlier today that came now... with a pretzel stick with green white chocolate. Um, glaze on it that was supposed to be a lightsaber. But you see that that's cool. Like I I'm not disparaging. I'm just saying it feels almost like extra to be to to have like a separate made up Star Wars holiday when there are already like five different Star Wars related days like built into our calendar year. True. True that's and I mean Right, but that's only been true since about The Force Awakens was announced, right? We didn't know we yeah, were getting more yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, I, I guess. So, I don't know. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we are kind of uh, inundated with Star Wars. I mean, I think back to... Remember when we both worked for Blockbuster and the first Entertainment Weekly came out hinting that they were going to attempt to do The Lord of the Rings. Yes. Right, and that was pre... Sam Raimi's Spider-Man? Um, or well, it took it, it took them forever to make that movie. So right. this was and so and, and remember Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was kind of the you know the kickoff to the these can be good again. I mean, you could say the Tim Burton Batman movie, but that resurgence in 89 had come and gone by the time they got to Forever. And then Batman right, yeah. and Robin and Nolan hadn't made Batman Begins yet, so we we had Spider-Man to kind of go off of, you know, we had talked back then about how, you know, having the geek culture of that reach where, I mean, Disney owning Marvel and Star Wars and inundating us yearly, twice a year with something. Okay, maybe the day can feel a little silly now, but Star Wars, regardless of how overly commercialized Star Wars has always been... Yeah. It's kind of still felt like the only one of those things that still feels like it hasn't been tainted out of the, you kind of go and talk to people about it in the basement of a comic shop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like okay. like the Avengers and the deep Marvel has kind of gotten the glossy, big money, quick. I mean, it went from Iron Man to what it is now in a very short period of years, right? Yeah. Um, Star Wars has been around from seven, since 77, and it's still when we had to wait in line to see A Phantom Menace, right? Yeah. It still felt like a word-of-mouth kind of a thing, even though it was so big, you mm. know? Whereas everyone just shows up when a Marvel movie comes out, right? They, the, the, the Transformers fans show up. Yeah. <laughs> right? The Michael Bay folks and the Fast and the Furious, um, before they got um, accepted as good moviegoers uh show up you, you know whereas star yeah. wars you still kind of get poked fun at and laughed at a little bit for liking it yeah. you know I, I feel anyway and um so i mean it, it having its own day it, it's kind of like it's comic-con you know yeah i, I, I get it, that like, i get that right the thing that that you know we had talked about you know you go to like a family dinner and your relatives are asking you about the movie that's good or bad or this or that you know, because we were the ones that saw them, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the the May the Fourth thing, I could still see that being something like a grandparent might go 
hey, what is this? Did you guys celebrate some sort of special day for that thing you like? Whereas, right. you know, it might be that your uncles and aunts and everybody have seen Captain America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, but but I agree. It, it does seem a little... I mean, like, Lego Lego releases a, a Star Wars character every year on this day. Yeah, well, you see, th- th- things like that. Like, I, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's... I don't know. I don't know. It's... it's it's a tangent, you know, hence the name of the podcast. Well, yeah, we didn't even tell them what we were going to talk about yet. We just decided <laughs> right. to talk about Star yeah. Wars. Right. Well, so we had a little Star Wars, and it's, this is going to date it tremendously because there's no, because, like, it's it's already no longer May the 4th. But yeah. Uh, it's, it just you know, became the 5th. But yeah, uh, I, I, had, I had to work yeah. that in there, though. you got to give no. that to me. No, yeah. No, I, when I, we I decided it, it. we were recording tonight, it was May the 4th. Right, yeah. Anyway, uh, you said you, uh, you, you've you been catching up. edit. <laughs> so uh yeah we we said uh i think last time we said that we wanted to talk about uh the new mystery science theater which has also been up on netflix for about a, about, about like th- three weeks now two Was weeks it? i think right? two two weeks it's it's two weeks old which should not be like feel old in like any kind of temporal sense but because it's netflix and we're sort of used to this thing where netflix drops a show and if you're interested in it at all you watch it the whole weekend and just kill it out for yourself and then spend the next, you know, month or so talking about it and then on to the next thing. The fact that Mystery Science Theater, the, this show, the episodes are 90 minutes apiece, you know, it, it does feel like it's more, suddenly more accepted that people are taking their time to go through all of these. I agree. And the other thing, you know, you said it it already feels old, right? I yeah. think is um, a point that we can exhaustively go through if we need to but a point that should be made at the beginning that if you haven't seen this yet yeah and you were already a fan of it um i know there's a few people out there that may disagree with us but for me it it felt like um just like that comfortable sweater that from your childhood that it just fit the exact same and it brought you back to that same exact place um Mm -hmm. i've as far as television is concerned, not really had uh, a nostalgia trip that worked and felt quite as organic as this one. Um, I had mentioned Stranger Things a little bit in a previous one. That it, that show, watching that, felt like someone had uncovered an old like Spielberg VHS that had never been released. And yeah. This is the exact same thing. It just feels like they kept making more Mystery Science Theater 3000 and didn't stop. Um, yeah, yeah. Aside it, from the it does. references to nowadays that are there that work quite well, it just mm. feels like the same show. Um, yeah. Right down to the look, feel, production value, jokes. Um, I I love it. I'm about halfway through. Yeah, it does have. I I am about to watch uh, the 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 last episode of the uh, of the se- of the season. Uh, you know, I'll probably go go finish off that tonight. The uh, the at the Earth's core. Um, what's, uh, what's interesting is, you know, I agree, uh, first starting as if, you know, we, we, both of us were huge Mystery Science Theater fans from way back in the day. Like, pretty much all, like, you and I had both been watching that pretty much since it started, at least on Comedy Central. Right, and that was probably, what, 92? Uh, around that, 90 to 90, 90 to 91 for the Comedy Central seasons, yeah. And and that means that I was 8 and you were 11. Mm-hmm. Just to, mm-hmm. to give people the idea. And Comedy Central, it, special, at least in our part of the world, 
um, played it at midnight, if not two yes. in the morning. Yeah, yeah, they would rerun it then. And the funky thing about our local station um, was that Comedy Central and VH1 shared the same station. That was Channel 42, right. Time Warner Cable. Yeah. Um, and so it was at free random which one you'd get. They had it in like six-hour blocks. So it would be VH1 in the morning and then Comedy Central in the afternoon and VH1 at night. And then it would go back to Comedy Central. So there were times we'd stay up to watch it where you'd the changeover would be after the episode had started and it would be really friggin' annoying. Yeah, that would be that would be obnoxious. And uh I I remember that vividly. And uh I, I agree with you that, you know, the, the new Mystery Science Theater starting it up, you know, it feels deliberately not just a throwback to the show as it's always been, but deliberately back to the very beginning in the Joel era. You know, it has a, a similar kind of laid-back, going-with-the-flow sensibility to it. Right, right down to the uh, the feel of yeah. the invention exchanges. Right, the invention exchanges back, that sort of thing. What is interesting is that as you watch, especially, uh, have you been watching them in order? Yes. Yeah, I have as well, is that there is a, a sort of, like, running storyline, a little bit of one that kind of, like, starts to come in over the course of it, which is an interesting new thing, but also that you do start to feel it as it goes, develop, oh, okay, this is a different animal now. There is a slightly different feel to it, and you get a, a different sensibility, and there's, uh, like, the... there There's an almost... And I don't know if this is a, uh, you know, like, just a function of where Joel Hodgson's sense of humor is right now, but there is... Whereas Mystery Science Theater was always a very weird show and very really loved the idea of having the, you know, the stuff happening in the background that we're not commenting on in the, the live-action host segments. But there's there's an, there, there, there's an uneasy kind of, like, uh, like creepy David Lynchian quality to yes. it that, 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 that starts to come in. I don't know how far in you are, but, uh, you know, as we start to get more sides of what is, like, the, the interior lives of these characters... You start to get a little bit more. There's, there's like a bit of stuff that in, in the, uh, you know, I won't spoil obviously, but in the the second to last episode of the the new season, basically, there's like a a random gag that they that pops up in the background that they make a point of going, you didn't see that. That's not something that happened. That I kind of went, okay, wow, that's that's actually a little spooky. What the hell is going on here? Right. So, and I I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's oh, you that's going to be a great thing for people that haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah. So, it's uh, it's it's quite a thing, and uh, I'm curious to see where it all goes. Uh, I hope they get another season. Oh, I I th I think they will. I I really don't. I mean, I don't like net net. Well, the thing of it is, is Netflix just renews everything pretty much. It's true. So I'm sure that you know that that they will get another another run of this. My hope is that they want to do another run of it. Ah, uh, I mean, I would imagine they'd have to the. There's the show. The original show was built was built Excuse on me. love, right? You could tell yeah. they, especially the first two three years before it was on Comedy Central, they they were making it for uh, um, is it Michigan or Wisconsin? Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota audience, like cable access audience, yeah. right? So that's a is anyone even going to be watching? You know, type of a thing. And the way we consumed it was even in a you know that felt like it's like. They, they're making this for me. 
<laughs> you know, mm. is the way that show felt when we were watching it. It didn't feel like some big overreaching other thing that really even had a plan, right? It's just, yeah. you know, we're mm. we're trying stuff out and we're having a lot of fun and the I mean, from reading and hearing the people working on it talk about it and the production schedule even for this new one, right? I mean, you're yeah. a single actor working with a couple of hand puppets. That's, you know, <laughs> not easy uh it, just ask the Henson company, right? That's that's not easy to do even on a big budget. And when you go shoestring, you know, you just kind of have to go with the flow. Um, mm. An interesting point, one of the things that I really loved about the movie choices mm -hmm. on this new one, and it brought me to a cool point that I think um, this podcast would, would uh, definitely do well to talk about. Yes. Is, when we watched that original show, it was rare, unless you get into like a Gamera or a Godzilla or something mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. that nature, that they'd end up with a movie that an 8 and 11-year-old kid in New England or even in any part of the country at that moment in time probably would have seen, right? Unless yes. your parent happened to have VHS copies of old, you know, B-side drive-in movies, right? Right, the, yeah. This is the kind of stuff they were grabbing, and you know... What, that's what made the original show great, right? It's not like they were grabbing like a, oh, let's poke fun at this terrible new movie and oh, how silly it was that they spent so much money and the thing was junk, right? These movies weren't, yeah. weren't really movies that anyone was laboring to make wonderful, right? They were normally shovelware, get them up on a screen, be a ripoff of Godzilla, be a ripoff of some alien invasion movie, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it more fun is it kind of gives those movies a chance to be art almost yeah. by being turned into this other thing that can riff on them and have a good time. So this time around two movies on this list, um, the land that time forgot and wizards of the lost kingdom, which I was not aware there was a sequel to until this. <laughs> there um, technically isn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you and I had unironically seen both of those. Yeah. Not, as mystery science theater movies before this ever existed. And, you know, I don't know if people much younger than you or I even would know how you'd access something like that nowadays, right? Because Netflix, yeah, has a lot of cool, funky old movies, and if you dig down into the doldrums of it, you can find some fun shit. But yeah. when you'd walk around, and I'm not talking even Blockbuster, because Blockbuster was pretty... Um, was pretty saturated with junk by that point, too, you know? Right, uh, yeah. You'd find some obscure stuff, but you go to your local mom-and-pop or even a Asian, like, influenced video store, which we had a lot of around here, but even just right. your local mom-and-pop, we had a video store called Atlas Video. Yes. And we'd go in there on a Friday night. We'd even walk because it was close to our house. And exactly. mom and dad would let us wander around and pick stuff up. And, you know, you'd end up with your... That's the first time we saw Monster Squad, for instance. Yeah. Because the box art looked awesome. And, you know, we decided to rent it and watch it. And, um, right. Fairy Tale Theater. They had a whole wall. Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater, for Christ's sakes. I consumed all of those at, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, when dad would have us at home on a Wednesday night when mom had to go work bingo for the church so we could yeah. still go to school, um, he'd rent, you know, like, Jaws or 
Cheech and Chong's up in smoke and fast forward through all the dirty parts. Yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. that's where we encountered the land that time forgot and the terrible people that time forgot that came after it. And oh, God, yeah. Wizards of the Lost Kingdom, because the cover box art made it look like Labyrinth. Yes. You know, or the Dark Crystal or the never-ending story, right? Yeah. And, I mean, that was a formative part of our childhood. We didn't recognize these movies as garbage at the time, you know? Yeah. We recognized these movies as something cool, you know? I mean, we wanted to see anything with a dinosaur in it, so the only right, yeah. time forgot was this really weird hodgepodge of, you know, a war movie with dinosaurs and some time machine type stuff worked into it and yeah. all this other stuff and I mean this show tapped right into that whereas the original show may have been the drive-in movies that our parents would have seen yeah. you know this is now the, the video store you know rejects that we would have found and I don't know if you know in the YouTube Netflix Facebook culture of consumption if anyone's really going to have that same thing today, like, will there be a mystery science theater that can exist 20 years from now? I think there can. I mean, like, like, right. I mean, if it's two different questions, because like, I would say, yes, there probably could and and may well be um, just because there's already been a mystery science theater. So there's a template, but in, in terms of like something, you know, arising independent of that, I don't know. Because you're right, it is the the whole concept of discovering and, like, taking a chance on, you know, random entertainment. It's not so much that it doesn't exist anymore, but that it doesn't exist in... It's not in the same context. Like, wandering around the video store and looking and having to say, okay, this looks good, but do I really want to take it all the way home and whatnot... You had to, like, commit to it. You were, like, making a decision. Whereas now, you know, I I can only assume that uh, the, the art of discovering old weird movies is, you know, if you just click around on YouTube, you're going to find all kinds of bizarre public domain shit. But there's no push for you to actually commit to it and figure out what it's about. It's basically... What the hell? Galaxy of Terror? What is this? Click, you know, scroll through, you know, bounce around through like 30 seconds. And it's like, okay, I guess this looks like something. And then on to the next thing. You know, it's this really rapid sampling thing. And I don't necessarily... I mean, there's... What is good about being able to access entertainment in that way outweighs what what might be lost of it. But there is a, a sense of... The... The, the sense of discovery, really, I don't know, meaningfully exists anymore because it's all just right the hell there. Right. You know, uh, like one of the... Uh, I, I'm, I'm very fond of the uh, the run of, uh, of movies in this, uh, this new incarnation of Mystery Science Theater. I think it's very interesting. I'd be curious to know if they are trying deliberately to keep to movies that are in, like... Uh, you know, a, a 16 by 9 TV aspect ratio. Good point. Good point. You know, because, like, I, and I could be wrong about this, I don't think I saw any of them in there that were in, like, standard format or whatnot, so, you know, are they are they deliberately avoiding doing, 
you know, black and white drive-in movies that would be in standard format. You know, um, like, I I did a whole episode of uh, one of my shows, uh, In Bob We Trust, of, you know, movies that should, uh, that they should take a shot at. And, you know, one of them was uh, From Hell It Came, which is a, a standard definition movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wonder, would, would they not do that because Netflix is in standard def? I imagine they probably would. Because Netflix puts up shows that are, you know, old shows that are in standard def, so... But they, they, um, they upgrade them. Well, yeah, no, I mean, like, it's it's more the shape of the TV. Like, if, if the New Mystery Science Theater wanted to do a movie that was in standard def, would they window box it? Oh, good point. You know, with the, with the bars on the sides for, for that, or... Or would they, like, blow it up and pan and scan it? Which, I mean, most of the, uh, and pretty much anything made post-1950 uh, that they had on the original show would have oh, been a pan and scan copy anyway, because it was the TV cuts of various things. Right. Yeah. So, I'd be curious to know that. I, uh, I will say the, the lineup for the new run is pretty eclectic. Uh, even in a different way, like, yes, you know, we have two big Doug McClure, you know, um, explorer action movies. There's the two Wizards of the Lost Kingdom movies, which are unrelated films other than their titles, but they live in the same genre, more or less. Right, and they're terrible. uh, Right, and and they have, like, you know, Reptilicus is a classy old monster movie. But uh, one of them in there, they did Al Adamson's Carnival Magic. Oh, jeez. Which is a notoriously awful film and for anyone who had been wondering about uh you know would would mystery science theater you know still do because before the the weirdness of the kind of movies that would end up on mst3k like the fact that the only reason anyone knows about manos the hands of fate is that it was on mystery science theater right right and uh what was interesting about manos as a uh, as an, an artifact was that movie basically never played anywhere. That was a movie that a guy made to win a bet. He was like a local businessman in Texas, and he made that movie to win a bet that he couldn't make a whole movie on his own. And it like played at a drive-in once and then went into just a vault and, and was just forgotten. Just who cares, who gives a fuck. And then Mystery Science Theater finds it and turns it into this huge cult item. Huge. Huge. And, and I mean, and, the jokes... Know in reference to that, continue on through this season. Oh, yeah. And uh, Carnival Magic, for for people who don't know this, Carnival Magic was an Al Adamson movie. He was like a a B-movie king for, you know, a period of the 60s and 70s. And just just made a lot of really bad shit. And uh, this, this movie... Um, is basically they had a weekend and a carnival to just make up a movie, which they did about a magician and an ape and a whole bunch of stupid shit. Chimpanzee, <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's it's just, it's one of these movies, it's just a whole bunch happens and yet nothing happens and there isn't really a plot. And uh, it's, it's famously obtuse, sort of, what the hell is this piece of crap, that was literally shown once put in a warehouse, and was thought to be a lost film for about 30 years until they found a print last year. And, uh, you know, Netflix has it, so Mystery Science Theater can use it. And it feels very much in that same vein of Manos as what what is this thing that I'm looking at? 
<laughs> because otherwise, some of the stuff this season is, uh, you know, really, it's a little more approachable. You know, it's a little more familiar. Like, The Land That Time Forgot is not a, a good film under conventional metric, but you can put that on TV and, and just watch it as a film. You know? Right, and that, I mean, that's how we saw it, right? It was yeah. rented and on TV. Yeah, like, it's not terrible. It's got, you know, dinosaurs, there's a plot that moves, there's action, there's, like, recognizable actors. Uh, one of the movies is Avalanche, yep. and is just a, a, a low-budget disaster movie that has Rock Hudson in it. Yes, it does. Yeah, like, big big stars of this, this type of movie, and it's a great episode, by the way. But uh, it's uh, it's a different sort of thing. And uh, I would like to continue seeing them expand on that. Uh, what's what's your favorite episode of the new season that you've watched so far? Oh, geez. Um, you know, because they hold a special place in my heart, the, the Land That Time Forgot was a damn good one. But um, yeah, I, I think for just sheer absurdity, it's a uh-huh. toss-up with Cry Wilderness and the, the Time Travelers. Was that what it was called? <laughs> yeah, the Time Travelers. And, and it, it's for the exact same reason you just mentioned about Manos. You know, like, Cry Wilderness looks like something that, I, I mean, the studio just says we happen to have a Bigfoot costume and we can film in this Canadian wildlife park, make a movie. Yeah. I mean, there was trained animals in this freaking thing, right? I, I mean, yeah. Not not done in green screen. No. Right? Such a weird movie. Um, what was the kid's name? Peter! Peter! Your father needs you! <laughs> it's the weirdest freaking thing. And it, I mean, the whole opening involving this kid and the, like, potentially magical Bigfoot that's able to show up and it might be a fever dream and it might not be. Yeah. And, and then... The, the time travelers, you know, like you said, it, it's just a whole bunch of stage tricks that they decided we should film a movie with all the special effects are practical, but they're like practical stage tricks. So yeah, like yeah. For... You don't have an audience that, you know, is stuck in one perspective, so you don't have to do that with a camera. You know? Yeah, it's 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 one of those movies that's made in a really weird way. The Time Travelers is another sort of like famously weird '60s movie where someone who I I guess either the the producers or one of the directors was a stage magician and had you know just a thought of hey you know we could use magic tricks like stage magic illusions you know we'll we'll use them and call them a bunch of science fiction stuff and make a cheap sci-fi movie around them, and that'll be, like, a way to to make it look like we've got really cool special effects when really we're just doing basic magic tricks. It was it was bonkers. Yeah, it's a weird, weird thing. And they had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they, they found uh, their, their way around it. And that is, that's definitely the sort of thing that, like, a UHF channel would just have in their library that would go on on, like, a, a rained-out baseball game day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that would uh, that would go on. So I've had I've had a ton of fun with the uh, new season, as it does. It does make me think about you know the old the old video store days and getting things weird, wild stuff. You know. Well, and you know that that's the thing, right? You back back to the point about where will it be in twenty years, right? I mean, this resurgence is now seeing things that we've been able to find and see in our lifetime, right? Yeah. But remember when Beavis and Butthead came back? 
Yes. And the shtick with Beavis and Butthead coming back was that MTV doesn't play music anymore. Yeah, yeah. And Beavis and Butthead used to watch videos from the show in a similar, but not exactly the same thing, but similar self-aware vein as Mystery Science Theater. And now, instead, right, yeah. they'd put on Beavis and Butthead before the Jersey Shore and mm-hmm. have them watch clips from the upcoming shows like America's Funniest Home Videos and riff self-awarely at the channel that they were on. Yeah. Um, needless to say, it didn't last, but um, it was funny, right? Yeah. But Mystery Science Theater is self-aware in and of itself, so I wouldn't expect it to become then self-aware in an Inception style of itself, right? Yeah. If Mystery Science Theater becomes obsolete, there's no point for it anymore, right? Mm, and right. Rift Tracks and Cinematic Titanic already exist, too. So it can't just be that Mystery Science Theater 10 years from now is now just doing Hollywood first-run movies, right? It wouldn't work. Yeah. Well, but the, the, the thing is, is what, what, I, what I wonder about is, like, the genera- generationally specific... Mystery Science Theater, the the whole vibe of it with the cardboard spaceships and the puppets and whatnot kind of fits with the aesthetic of the kind of movies that would be running on, you know, the idea originally always was that these were UHF channel in rotation bad movies that you would be quote-unquote forced to watch because there was nothing else on. Right, exactly. And and that whole world, like that, that whole concept, the whole concept of there's nothing on doesn't really exist anymore. Right. And, uh, you know, this this idea of, you know, I don't have a million different entertainment devices, I have a TV, and if something bad is on, I will watch it and talk back to it just for something to do. Right. That, not only does that in and of itself not exist, but, like, now, uh, you know, the the Mystery Science Theater aesthetic with the, the fake fake ships and the puppets and whatnot fit, like, ran parallel with the cheap movies that would also have fake spaceships and puppets and monsters and such. Uh, you know, like, now it's an even more bizarre match where you've got them doing, you know, it's the the fact that Misery Science Theater's effects are actually not as good as the effects of the movie that they're riffing is something that didn't often happen. Right. And is now, is like the, the default setting for a lot of these things. Like, uh, you know, At the Earth's Core and whatnot is not an expensive movie, but was a, a big-scale Hammer B movie of its era. Right. And, uh, you know, now I wonder, like, like right now, like, uh, uh, The People That Time Forgot is a, a an early 70s movie. Yes. Which which makes it 70, 80, 90, makes it about a 40-year-old movie, right? Right. Okay, so, like... If, if there's a Mystery Science Theater 20 years from now, you know, a looking, like, an, an oldie to them would be, like, uh, Starship Johnny Mnemonic? Troopers. Yeah, right, Johnny Mnemonic, things like that. Like, that um, would be the, a Mystery the Science Theater the movie. The Machine, the Lawnmower yeah, st- Man. Right, right. Like, at some point, stuff that um, is... Anything imme- from Full Moon. Right, yeah, well, like, some stuff from Full Moon could probably go in now because that is a lot of that so old school, though Full Moon kind of, like, owns all their own streaming rights. Well, wouldn't it be great for an entire season of, um... 
Mystery Science Theater to be like canon. Yeah. Right? Just start doing like eras, right? Mm. Like like the TriStar era. Yeah. I would I would love to see them do uh one of the Godfrey Ho ninja movies. Oh, that'd be awesome. You know, cuz like, you know, and you know which ones I mean, the ones that they they usually had like uh Richard Harrison in them. Yep. And uh they were clearly made by like cutting up seven or eight different movies from throughout Asia together to form a ninja movie. <laughs> like Kung Pao, but trying yeah, to be right, serious. Right. Yeah. And there are millions of these, like, Ninja Terminator, Ninja against Shaolin. Yep. Pe- yeah. There, I would I would do one of those. Even even the, the, the quote-unquote serious ones, like, Enter the Ninja. Right, and these were things that we rented as well. Yeah, they were. Well, but also, you know, B-movies after a certain point, like, from the 80s on, kind of, even the ones that took themselves seriously became aware. And those are a lot harder to mock because they're being made very cynically. Right, like, 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 like they know, like, and look, I love a lot of stuff like this, but like, like the movie Leprechaun, for example, it would be a terrible fit for Mystery yeah. Science Theater. You can't riff it because because it already you, knew. Yeah, be, because it already it's 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 riffing on itself. You know, it's like trying to make fun of one of the Freddy Krueger movies. You know, Freddy is in there, you know, talking shit about his own premise already. Exactly, and and. That's the de- that kind of thing is the default setting for B movies now. Whereas the stuff that Mystery Science Theater is doing, like Manos, is a bad movie. What makes it transcendent is that it's trying so hard to be good. Yes, and it just misses you know, the, at every step. Right. You know the the you know and I mean Mystery Science Theater they they have said that they have uh, you know not done certain movies and a lot of the ones are they say they don't generally do comedies right. and uh, they. You know, they, they don't generally do stuff that's uh, genuine exploitation films because, you know, those are movies that aren't trying to be good. Like, if you took one of those, like, movies that, like, a, like a women, like a girls in prison movie, like, you know, Caged Heat or whatnot, or something that only exists to fill in space between sex scenes, yes, would not work on Mystery Science Theater because no one's trying. You know, how can you make fun of the movie when the movie is sitting there going, yeah, no shit, we're not trying. We're just here to see Leanna Quigley's boobs. Right. You know, so it's it's a different kind of vibe. So uh, I do think, uh, you know, that, that that eventually it's probably, you know, an, an obsolete thing, at least in terms of affecting genuine nostalgia. I think if it becomes a, you know, it becomes and stays a brand of its own. Like, Mystery Science Theater is a show where puppets make fun of bad things made between 1955 and, you know, like, the early 80s. Then that's a different thing. But uh, I I don't see, you know, future versions of of Tom and Crow, you know, being called into action uh, to to goof on, like, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Right. What about something in the vein of Geely? You know, I G, G, you know that actually works. I think I think something like that uh, like is, would. Is that the example of the Manos or the this was genuinely trying to be something and just misstep big time? Yeah, that. Yeah, that's the thing. I think you don't really see genre movies that genuinely misstep now because like weird, goofy B genre movies. Are, genu- are generally now in on their own joke. 
Right, but like for instance, even though it it's critically panned and probably not worth it, could you see like North? Uh, it's a comedy, so no. So they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I can't imagine they would because well because the thing is also like North is trying to be weird. True. So like, like true. The surpri- the surprising thing about North is how dull it is. Right. You know, it's it's sort of like uh you know, I don't know, the culture and uh and and presentation of stuff change dramatically, you know, heading into like the nineties. And uh you know, also a lot of modern bad movies are just too dark and unpleasant usually. Well right, to, like to, for to instance to make good mystery science theater things. For instance, a terrible fit, even though it feels like it would be perfect for them, but because Scientology in and of itself is just such a big joke, would be yeah. Battlefield Earth, right? Because mm-hmm. man, did that movie think it was something. Yeah. Right. Well, and all yeah, and also like all of the Battlefield Earth jokes have already been told now. Right, and and they've already done Starship Troopers, and that yeah, movie the, shouldn't be. That movie was good anyway, and shut up yeah. anyone that doesn't think it is. But yeah. um. That at least had some fun things to riff on, and it was part of the Thanksgiving trailer special back in the day. So, that yeah, that's a lot of fun. But you know, I'm I'm trying to think what could possibly be the most recent movie that would fit hmm. the mold for unironically bad, right? Hmm. Like the Hunger Games, uh, not Hunger Games. Sorry, um, the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey doesn't fit. Yep. Um. Uh, Twilight doesn't really. Maybe the first one, but they did that with Rift Tracks, right? But yeah, um, you know the Birdemics and things like that don't fit the bill. Uh, um, you know, Birde- Birdemic almost does. Like Birdemic is probably the most recent thing that I would. But say they've done it. Makes sense. Well, I mean, like Rift Tracks did it. Yeah, and that, that's why I'm saying something that maybe didn't get tapped in by that. You know, like mm, um, okay, okay. Um. You know, something that genuinely, like, seemed like it was going to be good ended up bad or, you know, because, it, you know, a lot of these were in theaters. I mean, granted, it was drive-in theaters back in the day, right? But, you know, yeah, like, um, I don't know. I guess I get, Geely it fits the bill, I think, and that has yeah, been a little bit by them. And, and even Geely is like 15 years old, right? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's. The thing of it is, is that the world is so interconnected now, and everyone like knows everything about everyone else, right? That it's it's really hard to find anything that is a genuine. What the hell is this item? Like, I mean, I can go on on YouTube right now and watch the trailer, not the. Uh, like the complete movie, the advertising that this is a thing that's happening trailer for a uh, a movie, a an unlicensed version of Mortal Kombat that is being shot as a movie in Nigeria. Doesn't that look the balls? It does. I would it watch that great. all day long. And like that is like out there, and like those movies, like that. There's the the the, the Nigerian movies. Uh, you know, the, is is a whole sub industry that has its whole own culture and its own posters and stuff. Like a lot of those, like the, at first glance, you look at them and go, "Yeah, this is something that we could riff." But like you look at it and you realize that that would almost be like Mystery Science Theater 
riffing on another episode of Mystery Science Theater. Right, exactly. Because it's coming, it's coming from that same kind of handmade, you know, we love this stuff, uh, you know, kind of thing. And you also don't want to shit on something like that. Um, there's actually a couple of uh, older episodes of, like, um, MST3K that, that are out there that have had interviews with... Uh, you know, the, the, the crew and the writers and such, where a, a few times they've talked about, you know, if we had to do this one over again, we wouldn't do this movie because we don't know the uh, the circumstances behind it. Right. Uh, one of them is, remember the, the Rondo Hatton movies? Yes. Uh, the Creeper, where the guy had the... Uh, he, he Rondo Hatton was a uh, an actor who had a... Um, I think he had uh, a form of acromegaly, the, uh, the, the Andre the Giant disease. Uh-huh. You know, and he was the guy... If you saw The Rocketeer, there's a, a henchman in that movie that has big ears and a big, like, kind of weird, swollen face. He's supposed to look like Rondo Hatton, who who was an actor who had a facial deformity um, that, uh, you know, very briefly became a star as a, a monster called The Creeper in a series of low-budget horror movies because he looked very alarming. Hmm. He he was a big man who looked alarming, and MST3K early on, like in the second or third season, did, uh, you know, I think one or two of the Creeper movies, which are just very, which are just low budget movies about a big guy in a coat that sneaks up on people and strangles them, and um, Mary Jo Peel has uh, an interview on uh, on the DVD that had this as part of his collection, and she said, you know. We had a lot of fun, but, you know, later on when, you know, we, we, you know, read up on the internet about who Rondo Hatton was and what had transpired with this guy, you know, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't want to, to rip this because, you know, we're basically, you know, making fun of something that is exploiting the fact that this guy was actually pretty much dying. Right. Of, you know, you know the things that were making him look like that were also eventually killing him. That's the fine line, right? Because there's... Yeah. That... That's where the the critics of the show always say that they feel like they're they're making fun of like a, you know, like a, a kid a kid that has a disability or something. You know, the creator. Right. Art, yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like, well, yeah. and and that's where the fine line is, right? You know, is were these people trying to make art or were they just shelling out some shovelware that's fun to elevate a little bit? You know, maybe there's a little yeah. both of that, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. get into something like the room. <laughs> and what the hell's going on in that guy's head? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a product of someone being pretty unwell, in my opinion. Exactly. And so when when does it, you know, when is it no longer that we're laughing together? You exactly. Know, is, is the fine line you have to you have to ride for sure. Mm. Well, for now, I'm having fun with the new season. I uh, I look forward to finishing it off. P- people tell me it ends on a cliffhanger, which is wild. I got to check that out. That's super interesting. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to uh, check that out, and uh, hopefully, did did you find that it took a little while for you to to be able to differentiate between the three guys? Yes, mm. I actually put on the Netflix subtitles, so I huh. so I know. Okay, because there there is a um there is a very good consistency to the types of jokes each of them tell. Right. Like, right. Like Jonah kind of has, you know, certain things he says the way Joel would and the robots kind of keep their character. I do yeah. like the, uh, the little zingers from, um, from, uh, um, why is my brain shutting off right now? G- gypsy. Gypsy. 
Yeah. New gypsy rules. New gypsy rules. I, new. I, I like everything. I was where when they said that they're going to give Gypsy a naturalistic female voice as opposed to the Jim Milan do it because like G- Gypsy is just so bizarre in the old show. Like everyone in the old show is weird, and then as weird as everyone else is, then you'd get Gypsy with the Oh my God, they're going to kill Joel. Yes, exactly. You know, but, but, like, now the fact that Gypsy just kind of sounds like a telemarketer from the Midwest, it's, it's just kind of great. It's, it's great. And you just lowers down into the theater, snipes at the movie, and then pops back out again. I, I do miss um, the the original two iterations. Uh, was it just two of Crow and Tom Servo, the voices? Uh, in the first season, the first KTMA season and the first Comedy Central season, uh, Josh Weinstein did Tom Servo, and he actually sounds, his version of Tom sounded and acted pretty similar to the uh, the current one. Yes, okay. Uh, but I but Kevin Murphy. Familiar. Okay. Yeah, but Kevin Murphy was Tom Servo for the longest, and his Tom was always the "I'm a little bit up here, and I'm kind of a high cultured guy" kind of thing. Yeah, his his Tom Servo is definitely the best. I, I like the new yeah. one, and the gags yeah, the, are yeah. great in the new one. But I, I feel his Tom Servo is missed a little bit. Yeah, it is when uh, there's a there are a handful of times I won't spoil the the when in the new show where old characters from uh, mostly from the Sci-Fi Channel seasons, uh, you know, pop back up for uh, for cameos and it's uh, you know you can just like oh yeah yeah I like the new stuff but I missed you guys yeah it's, it's good. always they're, they're all they're yeah. all semi part of the writing staff too and everything right so that um, they're they not in and out. They they are um, Shout Factory and Joel Hodgson are making sure that uh, after a lot of them got screwed out of like royalties and stuff for a pretty long time, and uh, and uh, supposedly Joel Hodgson and Shout Factory are making sure that uh, there is more uh, going to the uh, the the previous cast uh, from before. But uh, no, it's. Uh, Mary Jo Peel, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy have uh, have cameos throughout the uh, the new season. That's uh, great. Mike uh, Mike Nelson uh, declined to appear uh, thus far, and uh, Trace Below and uh, Frank Conniff are are on tour actually as the Mads. Yes, as the Mads. Which I think is so, great. You know, we'll see. I'd like to see if uh, more if if more people would uh, would show up, but. Uh, it's uh, it's it's good. It's a good thing. I'm I'm just so glad to have it back. I'm, it, it's, it's like uh, having an old friend back, and it, yeah. it's it's cool that after all those years, it didn't really feel like it went anywhere. Yeah, and, you know, it's like I, I, I knew I missed it, but it's like, mm-hmm. oh wow, it, it's as if you just flipped the switch and it was back. Yeah, right. I'm I'm gonna be so morose when I finish up the uh, the last one tonight because then it'll be gone again. You know, right? Right. Well, you I know, mean, the I'm, old ones are on are on Netflix now too. I've been catching up on those. No, no, I, I know they are, and that's uh, and it's good. It's just now that it's back, I'm like, you know, it's like it's been like this run of like 14 new episodes. Jesus, yes, this is wonderful. I love it, and please don't ever go away again. I really need this right now. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very fond of it. I mean, if it wasn't, we wouldn't have done like an hour on it, which we pretty much just did. Right. I mean, it, yeah. and we probably didn't even scratch the surface of what it means to other people that are listening to this. It's you know. Just what it means to me, you know, the Yeah. It would be awesome to buy this on VHS. Yes. <laughs> I know that yeah. sounds really weird, but I don't think I could watch it in another format. I mean, having it on Netflix is cool, but I think if I owned it it would feel weird being on a DVD. 
Yeah, a little bit. I'm 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 one of the Kickstarter backers, so I think if they do a DVD set, I think uh, I think I get it. That's awesome. But uh, but uh, we'll we'll find out because they've got to. I know Netflix is weird about wanting to do physical media for stuff, but they really should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it. It would be awesome. Uh, and yeah. kick Kickstarter. I mean this. It's great that it's there for this, right? Because yeah. you know, like you said, for every Star Wars day, mm-hmm. right? There's still shows like this that. Not everybody knows what this is, you know? Yeah, um, I hope this is being discovered by new people. I hope that this is too. not just a, you know, I, I hope, like, I love it as a nostalgia property, but I hope that, you know, there are, like, the, the especially a younger audience, I hope that there well, are, like, young people clicking through their Netflix on their way to whatever it is that, like, a 10-year-old watches on Netflix and sees this and goes, oh, hey, puppets, and then, like, you know, gets hooked on this the way I did. Well, and that was always the point, right? I mean, you even watch the interviews with Joel. He always wanted this to be a family-friendly show. Right, yeah. And so the humor is funny and, and you know, immature, but it's it's never R-rated, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Barely even PG-13 rated, right? It, it's very much fitting the mold of your, you know, 1950s B sci-fi um, consuming crowd, right? Yes. And, and, and so it would be, you know, the father in the 70s showing his kid, you know, it came from beneath the sea or um, Santa Claus conquers the Martians, mm-hmm, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever else, you know, bonkers you want to find from that. And, um it's great that it's great that in the Netflix world that can still exist. Yeah, I agree. And I that agree. People are still watching it and enjoy it. And I mean, it's the most successful Kickstarter back thing ever. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they got their whole 14 episode season, right? That's, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. He, they get, they got everything they wanted from it. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I I hope that they take that as uh, as as reason to do more, you know. Like uh, like I hope that Netflix looks at this and says, okay, we we really didn't have to cover the cost of any of this because it all got kickstarted. I hope that they look at it and had enough success with it that they can say, okay, for the next one, we're gonna pay for it. Right. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, considering everything that happened in the guy's personal life, it's awesome to see Patton Oswalt smile. Yeah, yeah, he looks it like is. he's having a goddamn blast. And I don't did, did his wife pass while they were making this, um, or just I, before? Because if anything, this must have been an odd sort of strange work therapy, like, right? For that, it was it was it was very much in the same time frame. Yeah, he's he just looks like he's enjoying the shit out of himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, TV's it's, son it's, of TV's Frank. Yeah, nobody calls him that. Yeah, no, was it Max? Yeah, yeah, Max. He's he's good. Felicia Day is really good. She's fantastic. Yeah, she, she, I, I, and as soon as the opening song kicks in and her bit starts up, it's yeah. like yeah, no, she's perfect. The casting yeah, this is, is perfect. This this is this is a new thing, but she works. She fits. Well, and the... she still does Bulos and Mary Jo Peel's shtick. Like she feels like she's related to them because she's supposed yeah. to be. And so it's great. It's just she has a kind of different means for what yeah. what she's trying to do. 
I like right. that the moon base, you know, has character and they explain things. I love that the band is there and they're the skeleton yeah. crew. The the business with the uh, the liquid movies is it's odd and funny. Is well, it's bizarre because like it's so intricately woven in. Like the guys have like the the the, the skeleton crew has the liquid tanks on their backs and. Uh, you know, Arby, the guy that, like, sends them the movie is, you know, for some of them when they have to explain what's been cut from time, he's like, there was a leak and some of the movie spilled out. Hold on. I love it. Yeah, it's cool, but it's like, I wonder where along they got it because they, they as you can see the show go through, they they use the uh, the bubble stuff yep. to, 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 like, fit together what would otherwise be an awkward edit. Yes, and I'm wondering where did that come in? Did they come up with that first? Did they? Did they? Was that a happy accident? You know, we don't know, but uh, it's it's very. There's a lot of like you know buried if you look for it thought put into the background of this, uh, that that is something that was very much part of the Joel era that kind of went missing afterwards, and I, I like having it back. All of the the fact that the the world building around it makes a really bizarre, vaguely threatening sense. And it's it's Joel's it's Joel's exact odd, not explained, like he came up with this joke and he's not gonna make sure you're coming along with for the ride with it. He's just gonna right, let it yeah. sticks. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I always loved that about his brand of humor because the man he was a the stand up comic comedian magician. Yeah. Um right who who also made this weird television show and uh He's all mm. over this. You, you yeah. can tell this is his baby. He's all mm-hmm. over this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no. I mean, this. I mean, like, let's 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 call it what it is. This is, you know, I I I feel like this. The main reason that this has, you know, come back in and happened is largely, you know, premised on Joel Hodgson looking, you know, peering into the future and realizing, okay. I can either be in my 90s supporting myself, signing autographs for this, or I can make a new one and retire on it. Right, exactly. You know, and and good on him. Very much you know, so, I, yeah. I, 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 I love it, and that's, that's, that's basically <laughs> what I have to say about it. It's just great. So we're talking about Mystery Science Theater in a, a, a movie that kind of seems to be cut from an... A, Similarly odd, this will be a bit of a tangent vein, but, you know, um, Nacho Vigalando, I'm thinking I'm yep. pronouncing his last name right. I believe I'm, so. I'm a huge fan of, uh, from Time Crimes, um, work that you might not agree with me as much on, but his work in the ABCs of Death and VHS films, which he has the only good segment of the third VHS film, um, mm. VHS Viral. His segment was completely bonkers, a parallel parallel lives parallel universe i forget the name of it exactly but it was awesome um and you know this gentleman gets you know 20 million dollars and a couple of decently big named actors in Anne hathaway and jason sudeikis from saturday night live um and decides you know what i'm gonna make i'm gonna make an odd comedy drama about um empowerment um, and also giant monsters. Yeah, yeah. Colossal is the movie Chris is talking about. Yeah, and this just seems like something that could have gone terribly wrong and ended up on Mystery Science Theater if yes. it was made in the 70s. Uh, yeah, this this is... Uh, well, tell, tell, ex- explain the premise of the movie to people. So the premise of the movie is 
Anne Hathaway, uh, remember Academy Award winning actress? Yes. Anne yes. Hathaway is a drunk New York internet blogger slash party goer um, who is kicked out by her um, seemingly overbearing but also very distant boyfriend um, mm-hmm. and uh, goes back to move to her hometown, rents her parents, which are renting their house out, lives in her parents' rented house, and meets back up with an old friend from elementary school that runs a bar and continues to drink. And Mm. this friend, uh, you know, um, in the trailers, you know, they give you, okay, there's something not necessarily happy going on between these people, but I won't delve too much into it. But needless to say, on Drunken Benders, Anne Hathaway comes to realize that she is somehow linked to a giant monster that appears in Seoul, South Korea. And Mm -hmm. um, it destroying the city is her drunken benders. Yes. Um, Brilliant premise, in my opinion. And they go go, um, farther and deeper with that premise than I thought was possible. And it's weird, and it's amazing, and it's heartbreaking. If Jason Sudeikis was to walk into this room right now, I would punch him in the face for how good he was in this movie. I want to physically hurt him. Yeah, he is a scary motherfucker in this. And this is what's crazy, right? You know, you you get too many movies, too many really big budget movies that have a problem with genre mixing, right? You can't have a comedy that's scary. You Mm -hmm. can't have a drama that's funny. You can't have an action movie that has a heart and a soul and has time to do character building. You know, the audiences don't want that. This movie is hilarious. It's fun to watch um it has kind of like an edgar wright level of brilliant character writing and dialogue and geekiness between the people um but it's also filled me as an audience member with anxiety for the characters i got cold sweats i shook i was terrified and it got to the point with jason sudeikis's character where he could just be standing in a room and yeah. it was like when Heath Ledger's Joker was around, and you just mm. didn't know what he was going to do next. Yeah, this you know is I mean? a... How does a Saturday Night Live alum of the current era, or the Will Ferrell you know, ending era that we kind of look down on, you know, for poor writing, overdrawn sketches and all of this, how does that guy deliver what I feel could be an award-worthy performance? Mm-hmm. Right? He's, he's yeah. freaking incredible in this movie. And, it, and not, it, it and not is, the it actions is. that occur, because like I said, I want to hurt him. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, we don't want to spoil too much of, of the premise of the movie, but uh, it's, the thing of it is, is the, the premise of it, you, you can imagine a version of this that's that's like Bruce Almighty. Exactly. You, you know, that's that's a, which is not like a bad film, but that just kind of takes this as, hey, you know, someone turns, uh, you know, is remotely controlling a, a Godzilla, you know, when they're drunk, isn't that amusing? And instead, this movie sort of zeroes in on the, uh, you know, the, the self-destructive aspect of this and, you know, what these, these characters are to one another and goes in, okay, like, this is the most unreal premise possible. But it right. decides to be super, super real, you know, like of the, you know, where we're going to make the, the subtext text and just say, you know what, this is, uh, 
th this is what this really is. Like, we're not going to sugarcoat or joke around about, uh, you know, what we're depicting here is that this... I mean, there's no other way to say it. This, this is a movie about an abusive relationship. Right. And right. Um, this, in more ways than one, but yes. Yeah. This this is a movie about not just self-destructive behavior, but self-destructive people, mutually self-destructive people, you know, being taken advantage of by, you know, controlling, stalkerish type people. And, it, and it, it, it doesn't shy away from the themes of we don't have to tell you yeah. why this person is this way, right? Yeah. The movie yeah. can just show you, mm -hmm. right? It And it also, you know, it, it even delves into the themes of, you know, people say, oh, it's just a kid being a kid. Yeah, you know, right. A lot of times. But what does that happen? What happens if that's untreated? Yeah. Right? If there's nobody yeah. there to stop this person or to redirect them or to give them something to live for. I mean, remember she, her character is from a town where people don't go anywhere, right? This is a theme yeah, that's right. tried and true in movies forever. I mean, it's yeah. tried and true now in our country, right? You know, the, mm, yeah, the right. Whole, yeah. let's bring back coal dairies. It's like, no, get the fuck out of there and get a job somewhere else where you can sustain yourself. Yeah, right. And what happens to, you know, these people were obviously friends when they were a kid you get into before it even gets dark you get into okay he knows a little bit too much about somebody that he hasn't seen since elementary school mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm. i mean and yeah. it gets to you know okay has this person just does he have so little right that he just spends his entire days like as like a sleeper waiting for somebody from his childhood to show back up just so he can one-up them Right, and it, yeah. it seems playful at first. Like you said, this is like something that would happen. There would be a B plot in every other yeah. movie of "Oh, I'm jealous," you know what I mean, or something like that. And this movie takes it to a really, really, really deep place that harkens all the way back to you know, the without blowing it, the main real cause and impetus for why any of this is going on. Well, it doesn't necessarily matter, and it's not going to go and over-explain it the way a bad movie might try to it yeah. all comes down to you know the person's just a dick you know what i mean mm -hmm. and yeah you have a dick move as a child that really has this resonating ripple effect throughout their entire life mm -hmm. and the entire life of other people and um it's just incredible and in particular you know there's some great work by other people right like tim blake nelson is fantastic in this yeah. Right, you know, as 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 the the friend in the bar that you know you start airing their dirty laundry later. He he, he has an incredible moment where he's called out. You know what I mean for something it's like it, it's just the characters all felt real and this is in a movie where, you know, they can also be controlling giant monsters attacking cities in South Korea. Mhm. Mm right, and I just it, you know, it's the we talked about movies where someone just thought they were making something great and it went wrong. This is a master at work. This is someone that knows the exact theme they're going for. And it, it didn't have to be a giant monster, right? But it's awesome that it is. Yes, right? I agree. I mean, the, the fact that they can depict destruction happening, but it's not the destruction that's happening that's important in the scene. It's the impact that the action's being caused and who is causing them. So 
the movie then instead decides to film the person who's inflicting the damage by controlling said giant monster, but using mm. the sound effects of the destruction happening at the other end to impact. And it's it's just brilliant choices of of a you know, we talk about, you know, the Marvels, the the Lucas films, they're hiring up these indie directors to basically get more money than they've ever had to make a movie, which means you'll do whatever we say. Right? And then you get this guy who gets a decent amount of money to make a weird movie with no real genre that it fits into, and and he delivers gold. Right. You know, and it's you don't see it. I mean, nowadays you don't see it all that often anymore. I mean, we we've talked about you've got the Blumhouses and companies like that that are really um, tapping into you know, well, what if we limit your budget? What can you do then? I mean, they saved Shyamalan. We talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. They, 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 they brought that guy back. And um, I think it's great that the big studios aren't just scooping up all of these guys. You yeah. know, for, for every, um, who's the guy that made Jurassic World? Uh, oh, Colin Trevorrow? Yeah, who's, who's, who's a good director in his own right, but you know, he's going to be doing Star Wars Episode Nine, right? So he makes a little low-budget indie in between. Um You've got the the guy that made the remake of Pete's Dragon. On the other hand, that you know, that that movie felt kind of like this one in a similar way. It was a little bit more watered down and you know made for a family audience. But that movie kind of hit me the same way in some aspects mm. with the feels that this yeah. Colossal did. Is it's like man, they are really they're really going for it with this, huh? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just I loved it, and I, I know you've done a review, but. If anyone listening to this podcast gets out and sees this movie, that Colossal is one of the best I've seen in five years. Yeah, you got to get out there and see uh, Colossal. Col- Colossal and uh, Colossal and Get Out are like the the big genre movies to go see right now. And Get Out, I haven't seen yet. So, oh, you got to see Get Out, man. I have, I have a, I have a baby <laughs> or a, yeah, I, I know, nineteen I know. month old. So we got to pick and choose, but that's the next one on the list. Excellent, excellent. All so, right, so we so got now. We've talked yeah. for a long time, right? Have have you know recommendations for Colossal and for Mystery Science Theater? Good stuff. Yes. All right, all right, Chris. Do we want to do want to call it an evening? Of course. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you, folks, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Chipman Brothers Tangent or whatever we end up uh, calling this. Uh, please, uh, you know, link to it, share it, tell your friends, uh, and we will uh, see you guys next time. Have a good one. Thank you for coming along on the tangent.